Hey guys, welcome to another Fading Up episode. Today we had the honor of having Asil Samak on. As you guys know, she runs Podium Productions. She's a full-time lawyer. We got to speak to her on what it's like to balance both of those, community work, family time, and her own profession. We got to speak about what it's like to have a supportive husband, family, and what it's like to be a leader in the community. I hope you guys do enjoy the episode. There was a lot, a lot of takeaways. Hope you guys write them down and implement them all. Enjoy. There's more for stuff that I can do kind of on the side. So you enjoyed writing and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I've always loved writing. Okay. Writing, speaking, public speaking. You've always enjoyed public speaking? Yeah. <laughs> that's a hard skill to have. Like most, they say like more people fear public speaking than death. Yeah. But like public speaking, like for example, me, mm. I'm a talker or maybe a bit confident, but if I'm on stage, I'm going red and I'm buckling. Oh. You know? But you do this. It's different. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's more, it's more yeah. contained. But no, Oregon is in the genes. The old man Maybe, is a, yeah. sort of a bus photo. I think a big oh. part of it is like my parents have always expressed us to that stuff. So I think that's yeah. a huge part of it. Mashallah. So, um, <coughs> so what, what was the initial goal and sh- like when you were when you were starting off like university and all that sort of stuff? Was it always law? I have always want known I wanted to be a lawyer ever since I was like I think grade three mm. like i've always known like i literally have this paper at home it says when i grow up i want to be a lawyer and a writer no. like i've always known that i think i don't know why maybe partly because i was palestinian we were so exposed to like the injustices in the world all that kind of stuff yeah so what kind of law was it you like you delve you delve into humanitarian law yeah at the moment yeah no no so at the moment i work at a suburban law firm <laughs> so i do family law um a lot of family law um, and property law, immigration. Sometimes I do like small company stuff. So I'm a, I'm a general practitioner. I, d- I do everything. Mm. Okay, yeah. but I'm specialising at the moment in family dispute resolution. I'm doing my master's. And you, you pro bonos are like those cases where... So I know you this do terminology. You do things for free. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's a suit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So pro bono cases are usually like the immigration law and stuff like that, yeah? Um, family, we do a little bit. Sometimes we have to take like, it, let's say, for example, you get like a woman who's been abused and she's just left her husband, she can't afford legal support. Mm. So those ones a lot of the time either have to give them discount or sometimes pro bono work. 100%. Is that on the rise now because of like COVID? Like a lot of times we hear about like uh, mental health with families, with the children themselves. Is that on the rise as well? Like maybe divorce rates or family uh, incidents within the household? Yeah, like I've heard statistics, yes. I think for us, um, what I've noticed is that the level of like abuse that has occurred in the last two years is like really dramatic. It's it's really hard to kind of see. I think because the families have been um, like sort of locked up at home together, they've been exposed to each other more. Um, and like, you know, yeah, the cases that we've had over the last year have just been really, really like yeah. um, heartbreaking. But statistically, like I've heard, yeah, divorce rate in general has, has gone up. And it's yeah. like 51% or something like that, isn't it? Like I'm not too sure. Yeah. Not sure exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I thought <laughs> they say divorce rates are going down because people aren't getting married. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so actually, like statistically, that's an interesting uh-huh. approach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't get married. Don't get divorced. <laughs> so breakups yeah. is probably going up. So that's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. So, but um, I just wanted to go back to um, like dealing with like um, like family law in general. Yeah. Mm. So you've got you've got um people coming in for all kinds of issues and all kinds of situations occurring between man, husband, wife, and whatever. And there's something that's been happening a lot recently: vaxxer versus anti-vaxxer in the house. Have you have you have you uh, encountered any of those ones? 
Um, well, I haven't had like that specifically, but we did have a matter where um, they'd already split up. And um, so like the matter had already been resolved, but they came back to us because the mother is the primary carer of the children. She wants to vaccinate them, but they have equal shared responsibility. So she has to get consent and the father doesn't want to vaccinate them. Mm -hmm. So there was like a whole negotiation that had to happen just about the vaccine. Um, But like if it had gone to court, like the court rules in what's the best interest of the children. Mm. So most likely we would have got got in the vaccination anyway. Mm. It was funny, half the children... One half takes I heard because there was a story that was going around that um, I think a neighbor or something like that killed, shut up a person in the household. It's an old guy because of he's vac- having a, a conversation with someone else, and because he wanted he was against the vaccine, and the other ones were trying to convince him otherwise. They got into disagreement, he killed someone. He was going around um, waving the gun on the street. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, okay. People feel very, very strongly. Like, we had a lot of people come to us at the start for legal advice on how to get out of getting vaccinated. And we're like, we can't help. <laughs> like, if this is something yeah. that, you know, we can't help with yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. Shows what people come for. So, originally, you said in grade three, you had the goal of law and mm. writing, which is obviously like a English dominant. You know, where did that skill set come with speaking, writing? Were you a big reader growing up? Was it your parents, you know, mm. maybe pushing you for educating yourself? I think I think it's a combination of the two things you just said. So I think my parents played a big part in that. Like I remember um, even like when I was really, really young, I don't even know if I w- was going to school at the time, we'd go on a family trip and then when we come home, my dad would be like, okay, now go and write a reflection on the day. No. So <laughs> that just means that, yeah, like we just, like, I think from a very young age, we're just like learning to write and like express ourselves and that kind of stuff. Have you looked back on those? I have, yeah. yeah. I have like a little bit of a collection of stuff that, you know, mm. growing up we'd write and stuff. Um, but yeah, and, and I think with law, like, again, also my parents, like, I, I remember we used to go to protests and, and be mm. really active and see, like, um, my parents talking about issues in the communities and how things are unjust and unfair and people facing oppression, that kind of stuff. I think that really, um, as you grow up and you're exposed to that, you want to do something about it. Mm. So I think that's where that comes from as well. Do you think, like, obviously that was an early goal, like you said, grade three. Do you think now, looking at yourself, looking back, you've achieved both of them as law in your field and maybe your side venture podium, like that's your writing venture, that's your writing? Yeah, that's that's kind of how I like to look at okay. it. That's good. Yeah. Achieving your goals. Me as like an astronaut and a soccer player. Did neither. Yeah. yeah, that's how I like to look at it. I think there's, you know... Um, hopefully we can do more in the writing area but yeah we're getting there inshallah how did that writing venture start like at least with podium like how did it all begin it will take it back a couple of years yeah so podium's actually having its five-year anniversary this year um yeah so when we first started it was myself and eva uh we were both uni students at the time very involved in like islamic societies and that kind of stuff uh and we we were both also very involved in outside organizations islamic organizations that worked in mosques and that kind of thing but we um, there was a very clear problem at the time, I think, where it was there was very limited space for um, youth. There was very limited space for 
female youth to, you know, express and, um, you know, share their voices, express their opinions, um, be creative, uh, make change in the community and that kind of thing. And so we literally, I remember we sat down once, we were at Melbourne Medina, we were talking and we were like, okay, I want to do something about this. You know, I want to create an organisation that is inclusive, that will allow people to express their opinions and grow and focus on topics that are affecting youth that we don't often talk about in mosques. So the name podium came from the concept of minbar, so like the minbar in the mosques. Mm -hmm. um, so we wanted to create like a virtual minbar for okay. people who don't have access to stand mm. up in mosques and speak to be able to do that in other alternative ways. So we've got, you know, the magazine and, you know, through media and, and you know, even like, like things like this, we love to support it because that's what we love to see. We love to see youth, you know, taking their skills and, and doing something with it mm. that benefits the community. So when you when you had the idea and he's all sketching it up and did you feel like it come to fruition as you expected it to or do you reckon you guys have achieved above what you guys expected? It's very much changed. Like initially it was the mag magazine focus um, and, you know, as we kind of grew other people came in into podium with their own ideas, with their own aspirations, and you know we incorporate incorporate that into it. Mm. So of course it's it's changed, um, but I think the ultimate thing that we're working on, the ultimate thing we're trying to achieve in the community, is still the same at its core. Yeah. But it's just the way that that mm. kind of comes to life yeah. is is different. So like you just allow people to do like express yeah. themselves in their own creative way and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. So you got like. You guys run events. You also do the magazine, obviously, from the beginning. Mm. And then you guys also did, I think, documentaries, mini documentaries. And yeah, so we do um, have, like, media. So it, that comes in different forms. We've had, like, um, some documentaries. We've had some, some videos where, like, you know, a group of youth sit down, have a chat kind of thing. just depends on what's needed at the time. Mm. Um, but, yeah, one other thing that's kind of changed from what we originally had in mind, and that's through learning and growth as well, is that when we do cover topics that affect Muslim youth, um, we've realised it's really, really important to bring experts also in the field to come and talk about it. So it's not just youth um, in an echo chamber talking to each other. Like, it's important that we have actual substance to the stuff we're talking about we're not just bouncing off of each other's ideas mm. kind of thing um so that's kind of i think developed over the years as well so if you look at our most recent magazines compared to our beginning magazines i think the content um you can see kind of a growth in that yeah do you guys do you guys try to avoid taboo topics though like that's the that's the thing that i think most people have to be very careful especially us like we, yeah. we, we come around talking about topics we want to talk about i'm always loud about doing things mm. that are a bit more taboo and kind of like not towing the line, but do you guys have to be very careful with that or are you guys accepting of... Look, we uh, part of our philosophy is to cover taboo topics. Mm. <laughs> so we try our best to do that, but um, we, I think, are very careful about our timing and the way that we go about doing that. Yeah. Because I believe if you're going to do work where you're trying to bring about social change, yeah. you also need to be understanding of the community that you work with. So there's no point just standing up and, and being like, you know, the entire community is not ready to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. You have to listen mm. to me because no one's going to listen. They're just going to put you on the side and be like, this oh. person's crazy. <laughs> so you want to also avoid that. So you have to be very smart, I think, about yeah. the way. So what's the screening process like? So because you guys are obviously giving voices to people who feel like they're the voiceless, basically, mm -hmm. in the community. 
And for you guys, it's very difficult because you're going to give basically a podium or a mimbar to blokes that you, you don't really know too much about sometimes, you know? Yeah. So what's, what's the screening process like? So for the magazine, um, each article goes through six rounds of editing. One of those rounds is just a content approval edit. Um, and our content approval edit is just um, we just want to make sure that the articles that we receive and we publish align with our Islamic values and the organisation values. So we, c- we won't just like let's say for example if someone writes something racist in that in an article we won't publish that. Yeah. You know that's very clearly against our values. Um, and then the rest of the edits are grammar edits. Um, but then uh, when it comes to like uh, like open mic events for example. Uh, can be risky sometimes because you're just opening it to people to come and, and speak and stuff. Um, we do try to screen to a certain extent, but again, it's more just, okay, we just kind of want to make sure that what you cover aligns with our values. As long as it does, mm, you've got the platform. That's yeah. obviously content screening, like what they're writing. How about character screening? Because like a, as in the person comes in and you're like, random guy, Muhammad, he goes, I want to write this article. Mm. And he tells you an idea which is good, but you don't know anything about the person. Is there a process to kind of get to know the person? Like, can a random guy walk on the street and send you a message and then he's in the magazine? Or does there have to be, like, a relationship with you or someone on your team? Uh, no, they, there's no, like, screening of yeah. that, except when they – so, okay, so we, we – Big part of what Podium does is also giving a platform for our volunteers, right? So that and our volunteers are working with us long term to bring their own ideas to life. So there is some screening of the volunteers because that's a long term relationship. They're going to have an impact on what the organisation does, and they're going to be representing the organisation. So if someone just walks off the street and says, "I want to be a part of Podium," there'll be some screening there. Yeah, okay. We do interview all that kind of yeah. stuff. We get to know the person. But for articles, not really. Um, as long as the content itself isn't, um, yeah, against yeah. our values. It's and fine. obviously now you're speaking about your volunteer team. And I think when you started, was it 2016? Or 2016? Uh, yeah, 2016. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you started then, and I think at the time what you were saying with the MSAs, there wasn't really like a female leadership position. Mm-hmm. But I think the first time like the MSA had a president who was a female was like two years ago or something like, like a very recent. It wasn't five years ago. Yeah. So at the time, there wasn't like leadership positions for females. And now, alhamdulillah, it's moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Does Is a lot of your team females, like at Podium? Yeah, predominantly. Okay. It's actually something we kind of try, we're trying to balance it out by getting more males yeah. on board. Like I we know. have the exact opposite of what mm. the other Muslim organizations have. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, predominantly it is a female. What's the numbers, like 80, 20? Yeah, probably something like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. We welcome males to come <laughs> and join. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I think with um, with things like this, we I think because Eva and I are obviously female and it would have started, the way it began is within our circles. So it did start very predominantly fam- female. And to change that, I think, takes a bit of time and, mm-hmm. and, and progress. So we're getting there. Um, our mm-hmm. actual content, like the articles that we release, I think are not, like predominantly either way it's, it's pretty balanced mm-hmm. but in terms of volunteer base it's it's more famous. okay because also in like now in 2022 it's maybe a bit more common to have like females in leadership positions or running event running um organization stuff like that throughout the years have you gotten maybe backlash or anything that you kind of had to like obstacles from the community because you maybe have a female you know, as a mm-hmm. leader or ceo founder and then has a voice you know, a lot of times it's the male He's 50 and he's talking and he 
controls yeah. things. But now, obviously, you're saying 80% is females. Have you had some obstacles because of that? 100%, especially at the start. Okay. At the very start, we had a lot of people even doubt the fact that we'd be able to do it um, partially because we were young. Like, I w- when I started this, I was, what, like 23? You know, like, we're, that's mm-hmm. a young age to start an organisation, plus the fact that we were female. We had a lot of people, like, doubt us, um, not want to give us money for, like, obviously, you're running a magazine, you need money, you need sponsorship. Um, mm. You know, when Eva got married and when I got married, we found at, at times we sometimes need to rely on our husbands to speak to people on our behalf, okay. um, yeah. which is something I'm not a fan of. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. um, but sometimes you have to do that, especially when you're trying to reach out to certain mosques or to, you know, certain, like, groups who are uh, uh, female, uh, sorry, male-run and, like, they're not just – I can't just randomly message a male and be like, hey, I'm like, salam alaikum, I need this from you kind of thing. And culture shock, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. they're just like, who's this female? Yeah. <laughs> Why is she messaging me? Yeah. Asking for money. Yeah. yeah, so like there is difficulty in that. Um, it's It has gotten easier, I think, yeah. especially as people have gotten to know what Podium is. But at the very beginning, it was really difficult. In When you originally started in 2016, did you maybe attempt to take leadership positions in other organisations? Yeah, 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 of course. Because that yeah. probably maybe inspired you to say, like maybe not getting rejected, but it was hard to get into those positions. So let me go do my own thing. I'll tell you about like the Islamic Society specifically. Because yeah. <laughs> I know you were um, <laughs> vice president yeah. of the student union. I was yeah. vice president of the student union. Yeah. I was also vice president of the Trobe Islamic Society for almost five years. Five years, Yeah, Damn. and we... Mashallah. <laughs> 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 and during that time i went through so each semester we'd have a different president because at the 10 presidents yeah during my vice president time right Mm. and um well not 10 i think a couple of presidents lasted a little bit longer to be fair to them but yeah (laughs) but the my point is i remember like the logical thing would have been to have a female president at the time especially because we had a lack of males who were willing to be to lead and it was just so frowned upon it was just such a like that's impossible like that's not okay I remember I had a brother who was president before I even came to uni um, who literally had a meeting he had heard that we were thinking of having a female president he sat me down and was like this is haram you can't do this mm. like you can't have a female lead an organization um Did they give you reasons they, you know, just reasons like the general he'll reasons. Just, he'll make up a some, female yeah. cannot lead a nation. You yeah. know those those hadith. Yeah. It's like it's Latrobe Islamic Society. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So like, of course, at the time it was. What years you know, were difficult. these? Like, so I was from 2013 to 2016. Okay. Yeah. Mashallah. So you came after me, right? I think the year you bounced, you got to me. Hey, go yeah. do it, go do it, go do it. I'm like, <laughs> what yeah. you want me to do? I was always looking for, like, because obviously we can't have females lead. So I was always, like, whenever I would find a brother who I thought had the potential or a brother who I thought, like, had good Islamic values and stuff, like, I'd be like, hi, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> go be in the Islamic society. Because yeah. literally we had to go look for them. We had to yeah. go find them. And it, yeah. and even that was, like, an in, like I've look back on my university experience, it was such a weird mm. thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know? you'd go yeah. sometimes like with like out of ten, you'd go mm. look for a male who's a seven when there's like five sisters who are nine exactly. could be running it. But it's like no, we need We, we need, need a male. Yeah. Me and they don't even want it. One thing that I'm 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 
I was talking not more so from a political way, but I was mm. talking more from a marketing, I like know, my I marketing know. lens. Yeah. So for marketing, they basically tell you when you try to cater to everyone, it's nobody, hard. nobody, nobody wants to. Yeah. Nobody wants what you're you're selling basically. Mm. But when you, you pick a, a pick particular niche or a particular um, um, pocket of society, and you go hard in that direction, you'll more often than not gain a lot more like traction in that in that mm. regard. So that's why I was I was like, when when you guys like, then you just go, you know what? There's no point. I don't know what guys want, you know. Mm. And then you guys get guys involved, and sometimes the guys are too much. Yeah. I get, I get you, yeah. I get you. Um, but yeah, like I said, when it comes to community organisations, sometimes you have to go against what makes sense business wise. Yeah, because you're trying to change things. Yeah. But to make to go against the tide, you have to do things sometimes that are challenging. Sure. And to do things that are challenging, you're not always going to just have acceptance and yeah. people are like, oh yeah, cool, I'm gonna follow that. Yeah, you yeah, know. 100%. Does yeah. that mean a brother's retreat is happening soon? Because I know you had a sister's <laughs> retreat. <laughs> So sometimes we do cater for only <laughs> sisters. I don't know what a brother's retreat would look like, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> no, no, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But no, honestly, yeah, like, I'm not, like, I agree with you, and 150% I agree with you in the fact that men need to be more aware of at least the way women work in mm. general, you know? And, and women need to be aware of how males work as well because, like we were saying from before, divorce rates are through the roof. And now you're seeing people, like, perpetuating all these ideas on the internet going, ah. Oh, like, why even getting married in the first place? And mm. that, to us, is wrong. Like, as Muslims, because yeah. if we if we strip it back, the grounded, mm. like, the sorry, the base of everything is you get married, you start a life, and mm. you, you just move on from there. Interaction that is professional and with some boundaries, like Islamic boundaries, but still working together to create a product and that kind of thing is important because that helps youth interact with the opposite gender in a safe environment that they can understand how other people work and you know it opens up minds a little bit mm. like uh, I know I kind of grew up working in youth organizations in that way and I know that had a really positive impact on like my relationship with my husband that's where we met we met in a youth organization you know yeah. um, and uh, like there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with us talking about those kind of things too like like we've gone off track, but no, like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, like that that kind of stuff. It's that's like maybe a taboo topic. Yeah, but I'm happy to talk about it because I think that's important for us as a community to not to not increase the divorce rates, but to actually get like-minded people married and you know having kids and bringing mm-hmm. up those kids into the community. Yeah, is there any key lessons that come to mind? Maybe that you like. Not that you wish you learned earlier, but you w- it would have been beneficial to learn earlier in your process with w- doing community work. Like you said, as a female, it's very difficult, but there might be a lot of other sisters who would love to do community work, and these lessons through your experience can be very beneficial to them. Is there things yeah. that come to mind? Yeah, 100%. I think... Um, uh so at the start, I think we were just kind of going, all right, we want to do this, we're going to get it done. And that was good because... We got there, alhamdulillah. Mm. But I think being open to allow, uh, to understand that there's some certain skill sets that I might not have. Like me as an individual, as an individual, for example, I'm not very business minded um, in terms of like actual sustainability and money. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) yeah, So um, being aware of, like I'm aware of that now. And, you know, we brought in people into Podium to kind of fill that gap, right? But trying to be like acknowledge the fact that okay yes maybe I'm trying to prove the fact that females can be leaders and there's nothing wrong with that but also that doesn't mean that I can do everything because I can't 
Like, I genuinely can't. There are certain things that I cannot do, one of them being money. Like, I can't do it. Other females might be good at money, but me as an individual, I can't do that. It's got nothing to do with my gender. And so being okay to just acknowledge that and seek the help that I need to make sure that my organisation is able to thrive um, is really important, I think. And the other thing is that... um, even though, yes, we are, like, trying to prove that female le- there's nothing wrong with female leadership and, and so on, but uh, just kind of just be normal about it. Like, just do my thing. Don't worry what people say. Don't worry what people do. Like, I don't need to be proving myself mm-hmm. because that just puts so much pressure on you as an individual, mm-hmm. especially at a young age. I don't need to be the representative of anyone. I'm just me doing my thing, doing what makes me happy, mm-hmm. doing what I'm passionate about. Like, we don't need to carry the world on our shoulders, you know? Mm. And then what the outcome of that will be is that you're doing something that you love and you're happy with. Mm. And that's, that's really important. You're doing something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't worry about yeah. what people are saying. Mm. Okay, that mm. touches on self-awareness. I wanted to also, because we've said the um, phrase a couple of times, like female leadership. Mm. And a lot of times, like, I go to business events. I'm a business guy. And they talk about, like, having a successful female entrepreneur on stage. There's 10 entrepreneurs that come on, successful entrepreneur, and then when it's the female, they say female entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. female leadership. Do you like when they say female leadership, female entrepreneur, or is it better just entrepreneur who happens to be a female? Yeah, I I don't like the emphasis on... Yeah, on gender. It differentiates it, yeah. Like even, you know, the way that we took this conversation <laughs> isn't really ideally yeah. how I would like to take it because, yeah, these are things that we do need to talk about. Mm. We do need to acknowledge there are gaps in certain areas and, and in business, for example, maybe in engineering, in female leadership in Muslim communities and so on. We'll talk about that when we're talking about that particular problem. But if we're not talking about that problem, we're just doing networking or we're doing something. I'm just me doing my job. Mm. Uh, that's it. I'm... Don't, we don't need to add any labels to yeah. that, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, honestly. Sorry for shifting in a direction you didn't want to. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd love good, to yeah. talk more about what Podium does. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, the magazine is about 50-50 maybe with writers. Yeah. It's very similar to our podcast where not everyone reads magazines. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure how much percent of the population do. But we just use a rough estimation like 20% of people listen to podcasts. Yep. So you're really a very specific market and then you delve into different topics. Is there a magazine? How many have you actually um, published just over like the five uh, years or so? Um, I think we're on our 17th. Mashallah. Yeah. Is there one that you're most proud of? Which one? Yeah, like which one, yeah, yeah. Because maybe there's a story behind it or something like that. I'd love to know. Um. Okay, so there's probably the edition that we released about racism. Okay. So we, uh, there's a few reasons. Firstly, because it was an example of our community coming together during a difficult time. So it was when the whole Black Lives Matter stuff was happening last year, last year or the year before. 2020. Yeah, <laughs> in 2020. Um, and it, we had a completely different plan for a theme, um, but it was like, okay, we can't just ignore this. We have to do something about it. And so we released a magazine, and I'm so proud of that magazine. Like, the content in it is just so amazing. It's a collection of people's experiences and people's analysis and things like that in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So that's partly why I'm proud of it. The other reason is because of the actual content like you know you have artwork you have you know people expressing themselves and their own experiences being 100% honest about the fact that racism exists within the Muslim community and what that looks like and what we need to do about it being practical 
you know, um, and all that kind of stuff. And these are kind of conversations that I feel there's a serious lack of in our communities. Um, like, yeah, okay, you might have like some people be like, okay, racism is bad, racism is not part of Islam. And I feel like that's kind of where it ends. But there is a serious problem of racism in our Muslim communities and we need to look at that, what form does it come in and do something about it. And that's what the magazine focused on. It didn't talk about like racism in the general population but just in our community. Is where can people find that? Um, so on our website, um, you can back order. So I think... I can't remember what number of the edition it is at the moment, but you'll be able to tell, I think, okay. if the title's racism, yeah. Okay, inshallah. Um, we touched on before you being a lawyer, mm-hmm. and now the idea of you making 17, uh, obviously, magazines. Obviously, it takes time. It's not every yeah. week. Um, but then you had the Sisters Retreat we spoke about. You have the book club. You have the media. How do you balance all this? Because obviously, you're married too. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, there's like some formula that <laughs> makes it work. Um, but over the years, like I've also transitioned as a person, like you said. Like, so I was, I started this when I was a university student and then I suddenly became a lawyer and married at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and so that changed things. Um, but with Podium, like as Podium grew, um, the team grew as well. So at the start, you know, I was the one that was designing the magazine. Um, literally half of the content that was in it was written by me anonymously. Just me, you know, uh, to kind of get it out there and make it happen. I was the one that built the website at the start, you know, the sure. initial first website. But now we have you know someone doing the website we have the whole team of editors we have you know i'm not editor-in-chief of the magazine anymore i've handed that on to someone else so like delegating those kind of things to other people who have those skill sets um obviously helps a lot and it it grows the organization but it allows me to free myself up to focus on different areas of podium um and then also like i just have to be super organized honestly like i have to sometimes prioritize um do you have I a routine to do that? I do. Okay. Um, so um, my family laughs at how much I, l- I don't like unplanned things. But for me, everything needs to be planned. Mm. If things are not planned, I get so much anxiety about it. I would never <laughs> expect you to be a lawyer if you're going to be saying this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that's the point. Yeah. No, planned as in like what's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, like so... If for example, like um, these are my work days. These are the days I'm going to work. I'm not going to change it around, mm-hmm. right? Um, I like to know if, you know, my family is planning to go on a road trip. I'd like to know that in advance. So, but sometimes you have to be flexible and you have to... How much in advance? Well, it gets too <laughs> tight. Is that... Yeah. yeah. Um, look, uh, so at the start of the month, I sit mm. down and I figure out wow. what I have on because okay. i have things like because f- for work i've got court hearings i've got property settlements i've got all that kind of stuff so i gotta figure that out um and then i also whatever podium events i need to attend what deadlines are coming up so that's the stuff i can figure out at the start of the month mm. um and then every start of the week i sit down and i figure out what exactly is going to happen at that week so each because i only work four days a week sometimes like three days three to four days so which days are going to be work days depending on what the calendar's looking like Mm. and then uh what what is it that i need to do for podium what meetings we have coming up all that kind of stuff and then um when am i going to visit my family when am i going to visit my husband's family Mm. when am i going to have just time 
at home, you know, what are, uh, I have to meal plan and figure out when am I going to have time to cook. Yeah. You plan eating as well. I have to, I actually do. <laughs> I do because like, you know, if you're going to come home from work, I get home from work at six o'clock. When are you going to have dinner? If I'm going to start cooking dinner at six, it doesn't work. Yeah. So I have well, to. Uber Eats is yeah, but you can, can't live <laughs> off Uber Eats your whole life. Yeah. So. Your mom's on my dog. <laughs> do you also plan yeah. your downtime? <laughs> Like planned days, that's like, this is a block out. I'm not, I can't do anything Wednesday night, but it's personal, you and your husband, you and your family. Yeah, yeah, I do. So I believe in, uh, in something called hermit days. Okay. So hermit days the is entire day, day, not hours. an entire day. Um, I don't get them as often these days, but when I was at uni, I literally used to get them once a week. <laughs> but <Okay>. now <laughs> it's different. Um, but like I need days that are just me by myself mm. to just do whatever I want, no work. What mm. would you do in those days? I will watch TV. Okay. I will um, sometimes I'll clean okay. if I have to. No, I'm not a fan of suits. I don't like suits. You think it's inflated, yeah? <laughs> she can see the flaws. It's not that you should like not have <laughs> said that. You should not have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've watched it, but I don't. I'm yeah. not a fan. Yeah. Okay. So you'd watch but shows, clean. Yeah, like just and and do things that I enjoy, like whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, just just take it easy, mm. you know. Um, and on those days, I'll also do do my monthly planning. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but then there'll also be, <laughs> they'll also. I'm like really exposing myself here. That's fine. You see mine. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. Every like every week, I need like one night in the week that you know I'm just at home with my husband, like just downtime like that. That's important also to factor in because otherwise life is just always go go go. Yeah. What's the yeah? yeah. Well, looking back on. Life as it is now. I don't know. I'm not gonna obviously ask you for age because that's rude of a man to say that. Well, that's <laughs> but fine. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but um, yeah. so why didn't you guess then? I'm not gonna <laughs> <do> that, <laughs> checking. I'm trying to get me belted. <laughs> but um, looking back on however many years you've been alive, what is would you say the proudest moment? I know you've been to Palestine. If you have, or I you've no. whether you've um, starting podium or whether it was like that first case you won or whatever it was. Oh, I need to think about that. You won cases at least? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because <laughs> she has now lost five years in a row. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer to that. Don't don't put you on the spot. Do. Surely you have I a do. reflection. Like, you wrote Look, <laughs> 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 because I compartmentalise my life. So I have proudest podium moment. I have proudest, like, career moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like... You know, do you like personal? Like I have that. Like I literally yeah. compartmentalize my life in that I can't pick one. How about the first thing that came to mind? Because it might not be the perfect answer, but it is close to launching it. podium. Okay, that was. Do you remember yeah. the date? Like yeah, like our launch, yeah. our launch event. Okay. Yeah, I think that was mm. probably. How is the oh running God. events? Because I know, like, how did the sister retreat go? I think it was December. Mm. When was it? Yeah, yeah, it was in December. Um. So we have an events team, obviously. Yeah. My brother's part of it. Mashallah. <laughs> um, all, with yeah. all the sisters. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't, I don't that get that heavily involved with events anymore. Um, but there's a lot that goes into running events. So obviously you have an idea, and then you need to take this concept and make it into something practical. That on its own takes time. You need to put together a timeline, deadlines of when things need to be done. If you're contacting mm. a speaker, book a venue, marketing. So there's a separate marketing team that then also needs to take over, do all of their thing. 
um, website has to be involved for ticket booking, all that kind of stuff. And then, but once you get there and you're on the day, like I love attending events. Like I feel like the past two years because of lockdowns have been so miserable because mm. when you come and you're attending events and this is like literally physically everyone coming together um, and doing something like this is what I love. Like mm. I love being around the community and that kind of stuff, talking about things Um that's like the best feeling. You really, really enjoy that. You know, whatever kind of event it is, whether it's an iftar or a sister's retreat, forum, whatever, there's always a purpose. And at the end of that night, like, you know, just seeing how many people came together to make it happen, the benefit that would have come out, getting the feedback, what can we improve, what was done well. Like, that's my favourite part, I think. Mm. It's just such a buzz, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. How was the sister's retreat? Overall, it was a success? Yeah, alhamdulillah. So Sister Dahlia yeah. came from Sydney um, and we had, uh, it was just like a, a day of like self-development. So it was a personal development day um, and just having sisters from all walks of life come together, different professions and so on, just focusing on yourself. Um, there was a lot of like, uh, uh, yeah, self-awareness kind of activities. Okay get to know your values and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you kind of walk away from that um, almost being like being able to reassess your life. That was kind of the point. So get to know yourself and reassess your life. Am I actually doing what I love? Am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm. You know, and you've got to keep in mind that with sisters, a lot of the people that attend are like um, stay-at-home mothers and things like that. So there was a lot of focus on on that and, and what that means and how you can grow yourself and how you don't just define yourself as a mother, but you, you're, you know, yeah. what are you uh, aside from that? Yeah. That kind of stuff as well, which is really important conversations to have you're giving people existential crisis hmm? yeah, you just chuck it yeah in, basically in the and then up. they can walk away and be like okay this is what i'm gonna do with myself in the future yeah. like i do that on a yearly basis that's part of my planning actually okay. on a yearly basis i sit down and i'm like okay what are we doing this year what's the focus right and yeah. so when i do my monthly planning i make sure that we we go back and figure out what the focus is do you break down your yearly goals into podium personal law I have 10, um, 10 categories. 10 categories. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How, um, <laughs> what, you didn't know this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't even count to 10. Okay. Um, sometimes, have, have you heard of Warren Buffett's 525? No. Okay. Well, Warren Buffett, he used to have a, obviously like fourth richest man on the planet. Maybe mm. that went down, but richest investor of all time. You know, you've heard of him? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he used to have a pilot on his airplane. He was working with him for like five, ten years. And then he asked him, he goes, like, there's no higher job than that. And he goes, why are you still working here? He goes, I love working with you. I make good money. He goes, no, you should have moved on from this. Because mm -hmm. I should be teaching you principles that can, you know, make you wealthy. And then he goes, so what you're going to do is you're going to write down 25 goals. Whatever it is. For example, one podium. I want to, I don't know, for me, play sports, gym, you know, yep. buy a house. I don't know, whatever it is. And then you're going to write down 25 and then you're going to pick your top five. Okay, and then you're gonna put a line through the other twenty, and you're That's only gonna try to achieve the five, and then you're gonna go into then. Then as soon as you achieve one, you go to the six, seven, eight, because like you said before, with priorities, you can't fit everything in your life, That's and you probably you. see that. But I realize after hearing you, you have the self awareness to delegate, which mm. is very hard for CEOs, founders of organizations, because like they say, "That's my baby. That's my." Yeah, cool. so you I've changed that. that. <laughs> okay. I used to be like that, but I realised that I can't do that because I have duties towards other things too. I can't just pick, okay, podium is what I love and this is what I'm going to put my entire energy into because 
I have duties towards my parents. I have duties towards my husband. I have duties towards my friends and towards even my career and to ensure that I'm thriving in this world. I need to also, you know, um, be a normal human being and grow mm. <laughs> and that kind of stuff. <coughs> Sorry. So I can't just have one focus like yeah. that's that's not yeah. i don't think that that is a way that we should be as muslims like we like the prophet sallam he achieved this amazing thing bringing a religion and changing the world with it right but he was also um he fulfilled his duties to his wives to his children to his friends to uh, his community his neighbor you know he did all of that too alongside doing his dawah work mm-hmm. that we what we define as dawah work right so why then are we being like, nah, I'm a, this is my focus. I'm gonna focus on this. Mm. That's I really think that that's not that's you're you're gonna you might achieve that thing in five years time, but then stand up and look around and you've got li- literally nothing else. Mm. You've not progressed in any any other part of your life. And then what's the point? Yeah. So you don't think people should be try to be one dimensional? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So is there areas that you think? Maybe people should prioritize. Cause obviously, you're experienced. We're new to the <laughs> game. And like you said, there's 10 areas in your life. Maybe we can pick like three or four. Is yeah. there like, you really think everyone should have one community thing they do? Maybe once a week, once a fortnight, like one community yeah. venture. What type of things are important for people to prioritize? So, um, I can tell you what my 10 things are. <laughs> I, <think laughs> you know, might help. I thought you might yeah. forget them. That's what I get. <laughs> so, um, so, for me, uh, there's like personal worship. And then there's community work, which is also a form of worship. But I, I believe it's really important to have your own personal time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and mm-hmm. figure out what that is and what it is that you're going to f- focus on and work on that that isn't involving anyone else. Then you have your community worship, which is your da'wah work that's your, that you're doing with other people. And that's for the purpose of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but to also grow the community, right? Then I have big family, little family. <laughs> So <laughs> you really break it down. <laughs> no, big family, as in like uh, my in-laws, my family, immediate that family kind of stuff, and then little family would be me and my husband, and then kids in the future, whatever. Oh, right. Okay. So that kind of breakdown. Um, and then I have career. Um, I have education, and hang on, I'm going blank. Oh, financial. Okay. Um, so you're becoming, you're learning a bit more about finances. Yeah, <laughs> like because you have to as an individual yeah. who lives on this earth and yeah. works and makes money, you need to know what to do with that money, right? Mm. Um, hang on, I'm going blank. Oh, health, um, and then uh, mental health. So health is in physical, mm. and then mental health, and then I forget what the last one is. That's fine, because <laughs> you said education, and obviously yeah. you write magazines, or maybe mm. you're a part of it. You're part of that process. Where do you try to gain most of your knowledge from? Like in the educating, is it podcast? Is it books? Is it yeah. yeah, I know you're. I know you're avid listener every week Monday nights. <laughs> but then I do actually what like it's not a joke. I actually watch you guys, but not every Monday night. I'm, I kind of clump them. That's up. a new habit. We'll put yeah. on the weekly checklist. <laughs> but is there yeah. like where's that education? Where does that come from? So with education, um, I uh, so. You kind of also have to break that down, right? Islamic education and then normal yeah. education. So at the moment, um, I'm studying my master's, so that's the goal for this year. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. yeah. So that's that's the focus of education this year. I don't think I have capacity for much else. But in the past, it was um, so Islamic education focus. So um, pick something that I want to learn about. Um, usually, I end up picking something that's tafsir related because that's just my favorite. Like just understandable. Understanding Is that YouTube series, a book. YouTube series. Okay. I like lectures. I like listening. 
anyone you like in particular? That kind of stuff. Yasser Qadi is my favorite for te- uh, for tafsir, mm. just because he relates it to our Western world um, a lot more than other other sheikhs. Um, but yeah, so that kind of education is usually through yeah online and that kind of thing. And then in terms of other just. Um, I consider this education, but just like getting to know like the community and what is needed and that kind of stuff um, is actually through podcasts and stuff like that. So that like through listening to you guys, I am exposed to a different type of thinking than what I'm used to, for example. Mm. That's also, I'm benefiting from that. I'm growing from that, you yeah. know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like. That kind of stuff. See, when, <laughs> I, when, I, when I hear you telling me you got 10 things on your list, all, I, all I'm thinking about is, uh, Allah, how many people is she seeing a week? <laughs> how many people is she seeing a day? I don't know. Uh, I, 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 like, I have a limit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, lo- like I love people. I love you know, like my family and everybody. And, but like, there's a limit for me. Because you, you must, and especially because you don't really have too much of a control over certain parts of your environment. So you start seeing like a different, a different spectrum of human. You know? Mm-hmm. So w- like to you, what do you, like, what do you tell yourself when you come across people you don't really have, like, you know, like... We're not on the same wavelength? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like You can probably see she didn't even list friends as one of the... I just, yeah. oh, you reminded me, my last oh. one was social. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was the last one. You don't yeah. need it, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, added after after university, actually. <laughs> I was like, hey, I, I need to actually make friend go- goals, otherwise I'm going to walk away with no friends. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but to answer your question... Um, Look, I think uh, people are different and, and I don't see that as a negative thing. Like, yeah, sometimes my values with the person that I'm talking to at the time, especially at work, do not align at all. <laughs> but that's okay. Like, I, I, and, and that's why we do our community work, right? That's what we're, we're trying to bring about change and to bring Islam as the core place where people get their values and um, their lifestyles and so on. So we're trying to bring about that change. But I acknowledge that the way that people are going to do that and the way that people live their lives and the way they talk and the way they interact is going to be very different than than I am. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't need to change that as long as mm. they're not harming anyone. Yeah. <laughs> then we're good. But um, that took me, uh, like, especially when I was, like, straight out of high school, because um, I went to Islamic school, you know. Sheltered. Yeah, very, yeah. like, sheltered in a bubble kind of thing. And then going to university. First couple of years were okay. Then I started, like, doing, like, student union work. And, like, um, some of the journalism subjects we had to, like, go, like, outside of university with people and film things and stuff. And that was my first kind of interaction with people that weren't Muslim. And it was shocking. Mm. <laughs> it was weird. <coughs> Sorry. But, like, you get used to it. You kind of just have to realise that people have different lifestyles and yeah. that's fine. You do you, I do me. Yeah, 100%. I think the hermit day and the planning, um, like, downtime is the thing that kind of keeps you sane. Because you know, for example, you're drained Monday, Tuesday, you're seeing people, you're like, but Thursday night, I know I'm not going to see anyone. So because you have something to look forward to, you can kind of maybe control your... Things, but then it's different social levels. Like maybe that's a more the yeah. introverted side of you. Maybe post COVID, when now you just don't have <laughs> energy to actually see it people every do day. F- doesn't do for me. Hermit day. I need a hermit month. <laughs> I'll be honest. Look, I, I am a very like in interpersonal person. Intra, in like I'm a social person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are new words for me. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not. Um, if I can't 
like lockdown was a difficult time for me. Okay. I can't just sit at home and do not speak to people. Like I need people in my life, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so that obviously helps <laughs> a lot. Um, and then I think you also kind of reach a point in your life where you're – I think those 10 categories help because, look, I'm not interacting with this person for fun. There is a reason why I'm interacting with this person. My fun time of interaction with people who I actually like is here. Your planned social life. So my planned social life, exactly. So that's when I will interact with those people. Um, So I I, I can't expect that every minute of my life is going to be just fun and I'm going to enjoy it. That's not what God put us on this earth for, you know. We have to interact with everyone. Yeah, just problem-solving life. That's what I noticed. Or from what I learned from, was the book? Um, Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. That's the one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He goes, life is just bad. Yeah, no, no. But you're laughing at. (laughs) (laughs) Who you laughing at? (laughs) But life is just basically like problem-solving and then happiness after you solve a problem. And then you just solve more problems. And and then they make more happiness. You know what I mean? So, but I wanted to like, I wanted to see what your... Like, your advice would be to maybe a younger Asil, you know, like, maybe before podium. Before podium, you mean? Well, like, before being exposed to university life and all that sort of stuff. Because there, there are people, like, I think our demographic is mm. around that range, you know? So what would you say to a younger Asil around 18 years old? I think that... Um Keep putting on the spot, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I want to answer this one properly. But I think that, okay, so realising that the world that I grew up in, because, again, I've talked a, bit, a little bit about my parents, but, like, my parents were very much involved in the community and that kind of stuff, and very we were a religious family, right? So that world and our Islamic school world is not the real world. That's not the world that's out there, right? Um, realising that... I come from a privileged place as well and acknowledging that privilege and figuring out what to to do with that privilege from an early age is important. Um, But, yeah, that's not real advice. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you you got a point. Like, there's somebody in a similar position to yourself who has that privilege, like you were saying, Mm. and you basically tell them, like, look at the world as a holistic place rather than just a place that you see it from your lens and everybody yeah. else should see it the way you see it. Mm. Why am I telling her? <laughs> I'm looking back and I'm like, wait, she, she shouldn't. Yeah, no, yeah. Th- yeah. You put it in, in better words than what I was trying to say. But yeah, like that's that's what I mean. And also just realising that people come from different point points of view. People come from different, literally different walk, walks of life. And there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You don't need to change people. I feel like I went out in the world and then I was like, well, what's this? No. Like, you know, we need to change this. And then now I'm more of an approach that I don't need to change people. I just need to, like, like what my da'wah needs to be is to bring Islam at the forefront of our minds as a communities. And then what people do with that is up to them. Mm-hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides hearts and he will guide people to wherever they need to go. That's not my responsibility. That actually that that's my advice (laughs) it's not my responsibility to guide people it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that guides their hearts my responsibility is to bring Islam to the core of every conversation or to the core of our lives plant the seed we got there in the end (laughs) (laughs) it seems like you become or you've learnt the skill of being a bit content with knowing you can only do so much Exactly the same as podium, what you said before, we delegating, you're like, this is my skill set, I can't do finance, I can't do some business. And then even in your da'wah, you're like, I can't change their mind, it's up to Allah. 
Mm. Was there an incident that made you start to think like this? Like, I'm limited, but maybe there's strength in numbers or like, you know? Look, I'll be honest. It was um, during the time when we started Podium and so on. So um, I had a little brother. His name was Hamoud. Um, he had cancer. He was he had Down syndrome, right? And um, he... So my uni life is very different looking back on it to what a normal uni life was. So because because of my brother, like I spent a lot of time in hospital with him. And so my time was always very limited. Um, and it was only so much that I could give and only so much that I could do because of that. Um, and like, and that's because, you know, I guess what I was meant to be doing during that time was taking care of Hamoud. Now, looking back on that, I realised that. And I feel like at the time I was really burdening myself with all these other things, with, you know, these things that I had ideas of how to change the community, how to change the mosques, or I want to do this and I want to do that. And I and I would feel really disappointed when I would give of myself towards something, my very limited self, right? And then it was like not fruitful to know that, um, yeah. yeah or people didn't appreciate it or you know whatever it is right and it was only after Hamoud passed away that I realized that you know that's not that's not the right way to go about life you know you will do what you can but what people do with that what happens after that that's just not in your control and so that completely changed my the way I was thinking, but it was it was very much because I was just so limited mm. in what I could do, mm. you know. And it it used to like really disappoint me. Like I would get so upset, you know. It's called yeah. um, what's the other called psychology? Um, unrelenting standards. That's what it's called. Mm. Unrelenting standards. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So it's like basically you can never live up to whatever you think you should be able to do or yeah. what you think you expect of yourself yeah that's, so that's very true and so realizing that i can't i can't do yeah everything was that know? was that like a tough thing to take it was it really was because um and also just because okay so hamoud passed away and then i did have more free time but i had a lot of grief mm. which also disabled me into with like i had time but i i didn't have mental capacity to do stuff right mm. and and so yeah i was really struggling that year let's just say that yeah. <laughs> i was really really struggling the year that he, after he passed away the year that he like w he was sick and it w that was a difficult time but i feel like I, I felt like i was coping and managing the following year it was just a really difficult time because i was like i can't do anymore and nothing is changing nothing like none of the stuff that i'm doing is getting me anywhere so that that was i think a big big yeah. breaking point big like yeah what made you what made you go stop like now I'm, I'm basically in quicksand right now like the only way to get out of this situation is to like stop analyze the situation and just get about like go about things the right way running then rather than trying to run hard in one direction um my husband okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah hakim um is a very grounded person alhamdulillah and so i think like just you know when you get married you rub off on each other you talk you talk things through and stuff and i feel like following his advice and just seeing how he dealt with life really sort of readjusted me a little bit as well yeah. um and and i think that's that's uh, that's actually really important like just 
um, that comes back to people have different experiences in life and people come from different walks of life. And that's not a negative thing because his perspective on my what was going on with me really helped me to kind of overcome it. Mm. But like other people in my life would not have understood that because they were going through that too. Like my mum, for example, she was going through the same thing that I was going through. She wasn't going to be able to, you know, give me advice on that. Mm. But he was able to, yeah, if that makes sense. From the outside looking yeah. in, yeah, basically. No, 100%. It's always good to get a fresh perspective. Yeah. I think that's that's what we do wrong. Well, that's yeah. what we do wrong. We always discount the person because we see them as, like, fallible, like this is a human being, whatever it is. They don't know what I'm going through because they haven't experienced similar things. Mm. So you automatically go, okay, no. They're not going to be able to help exactly, me. Exactly, yeah. Their perspective, like, is, is important as well, I think. And, yeah, just also, like... Um, realigning your values and all that kind of stuff I think really helps too 100% yeah. I wanted to know you, you brought up Hakim that reminded mm. me because obviously we're not married mm. and we don't know how to handle relationships when you're married and stuff like that but hearing your schedule seems like life gets intense at times yeah. and I, I can picture in my head if I'm married and my wife and I tell my wife we can have we can have dinner together Wednesday and Friday or date nights that only those <laughs> and I'm busy the rest of the time. It's like, you it's know, not on the it's not okay. So yeah. how do you balance at least like the relationship thing? Because, you know, relationship is probably the biggest priority. Um, I think that goes back to before you're married, actually, um, because you, you like if you know that that's the kind of life that you want, which is what I like, I knew that the, I'm not going to just get married and that's it. That's the end of my community work. I saw a lot of females that were older than me that after they get married, they just drop off the face of the earth. And I would literally remember sitting there and being like, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to do that. But what what does that mean? How am I going to be able to, you know, what's the problem? How did we get there? How do they get to the point where they have to fall off the face of the earth, not attend halakas anymore, not do anything? Like, what happens? Um, And so, like, when choosing my husband i was always like i want to choose someone who knows what who knows the importance of community in my life um and who and so hakim used to do a lot of community work himself so he he obviously he comes from a place of understanding he comes from a place where he knows where that passion comes from why i do it all that kind of stuff like i don't need to sit him down and explain it to him because here he has that for himself you know um, so I think it's really important that when you choose the person that you're going to marry, you choose someone that has uh, that has the same values as you. So if it's if it's um, you know I really value service, for example, that he if he doesn't have that value, he at the very least is to be understanding of it. You know, um, you know if it's business, for example, you know that you know I my career is really really important to me. My the person that I marry needs to understand why my career is important to me. They need to understand that okay, it's not just something that I say. It's also going to mean I'm going to stay late at work. I'm going to work on weekends. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It might mean I'm going to delay kids. Whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. They need to understand that before they marry you, not mm-hmm. after, yep. because <laughs> they can't all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh wow, I'm married, and this person has a very different lifestyle than what I have. Like that doesn't and you work. Tell them I'm busy for you even on home at day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but also I think, um, like I'm not disrespecting Hakim, like I'm not being just pretending like he doesn't exist Mm. because he's a really important part of my life. 
that's he you know I come home from work I tell him all about my work day I tell him all about podium I share my ideas with him he helps me grow them and that kind of stuff like he he can't be isolated from that otherwise what's the point of being married or might as well just live by myself you know (laughs) like and and it would be really disrespectful for me to just be like your time is here right that doesn't work that's not that's yes okay there's a schedule but that's he's a part of that schedule in every part of it like you know he knows what's going on he encourages it he um shares you know my thoughts um he will give me ideas of how to grow podium or will give me ideas of how to manage certain things that kind of stuff like we have conversations about it. it's something he's also passionate about you know it seems like he's supportive Obviously, I think a lot of our audience is, is either not married or on the verge of getting married. Mm. Is there maybe some questions that you think would be important to ask to find out if your spouse would be supportive? Because sometimes, you know, when before when you're getting to know someone, anything you ask, yes, whatever you want, I'll do that. And then you get married and you're like, wait, I didn't know you're actually going to be busy that frequently. Or I didn't know that we're only going to have one or two nights together, you know, something like mm. that. Is there maybe questions that... Just go to the retreat. um okay so um i mean it's always like uh, i'm not an expert in this field (laughs) um but i'll just share from my own experiences and from what i've seen i think um and uh from my own experience i think questions actual questions are not really where you get your answers um because and like you said anyone will just say whatever they want like to this person wants to marry you, he will just say whatever he thinks or she thinks you want to hear. Mm. That's natural. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so you really need to do your um, research and see how they live their life, right? Um, because if someone is very, um, like, what do they prioritize? Like, if someone is, uh, like, their priority is their, they that they're going to spend time at home, they they want to um, like it's not it's got nothing to do with the community. Their life has got nothing to do with other people. It's me me me. It's my career. It's my family. It's my self growth. All that kind of stuff. I know that that's not someone that's going to be compatible with me. Mm. And I'm going to be able to see that by looking at how they live their life, right? Um, so you you need to actually take some time to look at how the person lives their life. What kind of friends they have. Like, I know people answer that a lot, like, look at their friends, but it actually makes a difference. Like, if you look at my friends, my friends are people who work in the community. It's very obvious <laughs> that, mm. that, like, uh, my closest friends are the ones that I do community work with, mm. you know? Um, so it makes sense. Or even when I was at uni, they were, like, um, either law students or whatever, so things like that as well, yeah. right? Um, so look at their their friend their closest friends. Look at um, how they interact with their family as well. That's really really important. Like, do they, um, you know, like for me for example, yes, I'm I'm a busy person, but even with my parents, when I used to come home, I would literally spend at least one hour just telling them all about my day and talking to them about it and all that kind of stuff. Like that's how I interact with my family because family's still important to me, even if I am a busy person, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how do they interact with their family? How do they live their life? That kind of stuff. How do they? How often do they go out with their friends? And what kind of things do they do with their friends? What do they do for fun and that kind of stuff? That's the stuff that will give you an idea of what kind of lifestyle they have. Not really the questions. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to touch on one thing. Do you have anything? No, no. Okay. Because 
I know the productivity can be a curse sometimes when you're trying to plan so many things. Sometimes you go f- when your day is planned out too much, you're not present in the moment. I don't know if you experience the same kind of thing, but it's like, okay, I'm doing this now, but I still have three, four more things I need to do after this. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. Step mm. one, step two, step three. Is there any, do you encounter this, by the way? Like at least when you're with family or you when you're doing yeah. one task, you're always thinking about the next and the next. Um, I did. I okay. used to. <laughs> Perfect. I think I used to. Um, so when I, uh, the way I schedule myself now is very different than what I used to do. So what you're talking about, like having multiple things straight after each other is how I used to schedule myself. But now it's more in blocks. Um, So, and then whatever happens in that block happens. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Um, So it's like, uh, so I try to keep like 9am to 1pm on Saturdays and 9am to 1pm on Sundays for, um, that's my weekend community work time. After 1pm is family time, right? Mm. So I don't need to sit there and think about that because that's just set. You know, unless something happens, something's going to change. Yeah. There, that's fine. We'll change it around. You know, um, but if you you all kind of set it up as blocks, not like from ten a.m. to one p.m. I'm g- uh, so from ten a.m. to eleven, I have this meeting. Then eleven to twelve, I'm going to clean. And th- like when you yeah. mix it up like that, I feel like you get really stressed out. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And but you so can't be present. Yeah, you can't. You're not giving yourself sufficient time to do the, the task and think mm. about it. You're just doing stuff. But you need to, like, give yourself time, I think, to get into the mindset of the thing that you're going to do mm. and do it and, yeah. and be in, in a zone of doing it, you know? Mm. Yeah. There's, there's a book, um, it's called Deep Work mm. by Cal Newport, and he talks about attention fatigue. It's like each time you pull out your phone or you distract yourself from one task to the next, it takes, like, 23 minutes to get back to that flow state, mm-hmm. you know, like flow state yeah. when you're in deep work. So it's an interesting thing because... When you give yourself those 10 to 11, 11 to 12, all you're thinking about is the next task and you actually can't give your task 100%. Yeah. And it's impossible to do great work doing 60%. Yeah. It's one of those yeah. things only now you realise. It's like now a lot of the time I tell myself, you're doing this from 10 to 1, don't think about anything else. Mm-hmm. Just do it and then after one you focus on the next task. Because yeah. your brain tries to get the better of you. Yeah, you know, so that's very uh, true. And then I think also when you've when you've actually scheduled yourself properly and you know that you've given everything time to to get it done, like it reduces your stress. Um, and the reason like w- the reason you're thinking about the next task is because you need to think about how you're going to get it done, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you've give actually given yourself sufficient time to do it, then you're not like your brain's not stressed out about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so you're you're just like when it comes, I'll deal with it. You know, yeah. yeah. It's a very interesting conversation. As the last last thing to schedules. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to. Um to end the episode, is there anything you wanted to specifically mention, chat about, ask, you know, or mm. just to get something came to mind like before the episode, like, I'd love to ask these boys or even get their opinion on something or no, just wanted I to end it on your note just in case. <laughs> ask him, no. Yeah. Ask <laughs> <laughs> us on. Um I, I, w- I kind of have always been curious. How do you guys choose your guests? Mm, okay, I reminded a bit longer <laughs> than what we have left. Um, For me, it's basically I drink a coffee in the morning and then I have like a, a massive like rush of energy mm. and then my brain just goes, hang on, this brother, da, 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 and then I'll, I'll think of like the topics that I want to talk to them about. So, for example, Abu Hamza was recent and I don't know where I'm like, bro, he used to do Rukia. Mm, Interesting stories, bang, let's yeah. go, mm. go from there. And then I'll have different things. Now, I used to call Ali a lot. When I was on the road, I used to be like, Ali, write this down. Quick, <laughs> write this down, write that down. You know, like, but that's just how I, that's mm. how it comes to me. I don't like know. Like spur of the moment type yeah. um, thinking, yeah. 
there's a couple of different things. One thing is I look at it and say, would I want to have a conversation with this person if I wasn't on a podcast? Mm. You say, okay, are they interesting? And then is there a benefit? Because that's the main goal. Like it's nice to have a conversation with someone. Like a lot of young people have mad comments. They're like, we should start a podcast. And then it's like, it's only because of their ideas. But going back to what you said about Podium before, we like to bring people on who have the knowledge and yeah. let them kind of voice their opinion and we maybe just guide the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of <laughs> <laughs> now a lot of the time it's it's interesting person, mm. maybe interesting story, and there has to be a benefit. Okay. You know? Yeah, We're still sense. in the beginner stages. So and there's four people. Like for example, the Abu Hamza episode, so how said I want to get him. And the boys like, Oh, I don't know. We haven't we don't really have a connection with him. Yeah. And then we got him on and we're like, man, that was a beautiful that was episode. Good, yeah. That was amazing. But it's like that was Suhail's idea. And the same thing for another guest like Legendary or Ali or I mm. will do the same thing. And it just we've got to trust each other's judgment. Yeah. yeah. Good Four brains. Four and a half. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And end it off? We appreciate you coming on us, honestly. Yeah, like it's good it's good to like at least get somebody who's from the community who's done it from such a young age and like we can obviously get sisters on inshallah in the future and you're kind of setting the tone you're making it a lot more easier for other sisters to come on and to like connect inshallah so we appreciate you coming on Thanks for Honestly. having me. I do want to say one more thing. I feel like I talked a lot about like what's good in my life, but obviously I also struggle and I've reached this point through struggle, you know, um, and life is a struggle. So I said all of the things that I've figured out to cope with things and that kind of stuff, but that doesn't mean like I'm perfect or I've got it all figured out or anything like that. I'm not any, an expert in any of these fields, <laughs> but um, yeah, just thought, yeah. Do you recommend yeah, people experience. to read Who Am I then? Hmm? Do you recommend people to read the new magazine coming read out? Read it, of course, <laughs> yes. Read it, uh, subscribe to the magazine, come to podium events, you know, um, come volunteer with us as well. We would love to have Where can I find you? Um, we've got our Instagram, podium.production, Facebook, website. Um, they can even like message me privately as well and we can talk about where they can fit in. Inshallah. Awesome. Thank you very much, Asil, again. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on the video. I have to do this. I, lo I love doing this because I heard that 65% of people <laughs> aren't subscribed, yeah? So just please, do us a favour. It doesn't hurt. You're not going to hurt your fingers by pressing it. There's a button underneath. Press subscribe, turn on the notification bell and we'll see you next week. <laughs>